0: To turn in your Bibles to Ezekiel chapter thirty four. Ezekiel chapter 34. Whether you are a member or a regular attender or a visitor this morning. Today, as we have already stated, we are celebrating a special day. This is a celebration of God's gift of faithful leadership for His people. and We joyfully thank Him for those who serve well, especially in the area of being an elder. I believe this is a biblical pattern that we find throughout the New Testament, our elders and deacons to be able to serve, and we are still working through the process or willing and being able to add deacons before too long. But the role of an elder is very special. This is not because I am one, but it is because I am one. And that is because when God calls a person to serve as an elder, he calls them to serve as a shepherd. He calls them to serve in a way that many people will never have the privilege of being able to serve in. We're going to say this later in the message, but when we get to the charge to the elders and to their wives and to you as a congregation, but the great prince of preachers, British minister and pastor of the Metropolitan Tabernacle Charles Spurgeon said, why should I stoop to be a king if I am called to be a shepherd. I'm going to have you stand with me as we read this passage from Ezekiel chapter 34. And we are going to read verse 11 through verse 16. But as you listen to the words of the prophet Ezekiel, after he was called to take on the responsibility of being a messenger of the Most High God. Can't imagine what it must have been like. I mean, here's an ordinary gentleman, probably living his life like every other Jewish man has been raised. He would know the Old Testament scriptures, and then one day God calls and sets his, not just his love upon him, but he sets his message upon him, and he says, Go and be my mouthpiece. That's a solemn responsibility. That's a high calling. God himself speaks through Ezekiel as the prophet reveals the role of God as the shepherd of his sheep. And I believe in like manner. I believe that we see the importance of how we men, Brother Jeff and my dad, Brother Jean-Paul, have the importance of being watchmen of the flock of Jesus Christ today. I hope you as a congregation will see that as well. Ezekiel 34, beginning at verse 11. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I, I myself, will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep. in justice. May the Lord add his richest blessings to the reading of his word, and you may be seated. In the Old Testament, God established an order, a divine order, at the beginning of creation, and that there was to be a leadership. There is to be a leadership in the home, and leadership in government. But there's also to be a leadership, as we find, when the Lord Jesus Christ came and he established his church, And he left it to his disciples and he says, Go into all the world. In fact, we are given five different times when the Great Commission in some form or other is given Matthew chapter 28, Mark 16, Luke chapter 23, John chapter 20, and then Acts chapter 1 verse 8. And he gives them this order and he tells them, You are to go into all the world and you are to make disciples. Now, there are a lot of people in the world. I'm speaking about evangelical Christianity now, and there are many who think that they shouldn't be part of a church. The New Testament knows nothing of an unchurched Christian. The New Testament speaks clearly that the Lord Jesus Christ died and gave himself for his bride, the church. And so we too are to love his church. In the beginning, there were other offices, but since the days of the apostles have ended, there are no more apostles. There are no more prophets. We believe that there are only two God-ordained offices in a local church. We have talked about these. They are on our sermon audio uh, for the church, if you would like to hear them at some point in the future. But God left these two offices whereby the local church is governed and through which we see his love for his bride. Elders and deacons. Again, there are no other offices for the New Testament church. And the first thing that I want you to notice this morning, and you have it there in your notes in front of you, an elder is a leader. An elder is a leader. It is Christ that appoints leaders to govern in his name and to promote the spiritual well-being of his people. We're going to use several verses this morning and passages of scripture and I would like to invite you to write these down on any any of these verses that are that are not there on your notes already. But Ephesians chapter 4 verses 11 to 13. We find the Holy Spirit is equipping these servant leaders so that believers may number 1 grow in faith. If you are a believer and you remain the same, it is Because, well, number one, you've probably been drinking milk of the Word for a long, long time. There must come a time in the life of every true believer whereby you will not just drink the milk of the Word, but that you will eat the meat of the Word. You must grow. You and I are going to surely grow just as a child does. So the Holy Spirit equips these servant leaders so that we can grow in faith so that we can develop disciplined Christian living. Now, this is hard because I know I've heard it in the past in my years of ministry and Brother Jeff has probably already heard it in the years that he has been in. And I'm certain my dad has. And that is this, there are a lot of people who say, well, it's fine to come to church on Sunday and it's fine to get our morning Sunday morning message, but let's leave it right there, pastor. We don't want to change in our life. We just want to come here about how good God is. Well, a good God requires and commands that we be changed. We are going to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Not only are these servant leaders for the purposes of growing in faith, but to develop discipline, Christian living, but it is also to serve others in selfless love. You know, there's something that sets us apart from every other religion in the world. And it's not that we love, but that we love with a Christ-like love. There's a big difference. And then as elders, we are to encourage the folks as well as to do ourselves, and that is to share with all the good news of salvation. You know, sometimes we make things far too difficult in the Christian life, don't we? Sometimes, for example, instead of instead of going up and, and like, for example, anybody here go out to eat? OK, the rest of you, I'm sure you go out to eat at some point. All right. So if you go out to eat, it's really not difficult to lay a track down on the table with a tip. Say, thank you for your service or to go up to a military person. We've got coins out here. You can give them these little coins and it has a verse on there. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved and simply say, Thank you, sir, for your service. You see somebody wearing a hat that indicates that they're a vet. Just go up and thank them and hand them one of those things. You don't know what the Holy Spirit will do by that little word. But to simply be a bearer of good news. If I stood up before you this morning and I told you, listen, I, 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 you know, I, I've got cancer. I don't, not that I know of. But let's say that I had cancer and I said, well, you know, I found a cure. All you have to do is swallow this little pill. And you'll be cured. And I prove it to you. And it's all gone. I mean, wouldn't that be great news? But should should I take that pill and just sit on it and keep it on my cover and say, well, you know, I don't think anybody's going to believe me anyway. And yet we who have been burdened down with the cancer of sin, we who have been redeemed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, sometimes struggle to be able to share that good news with other people. That Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. So listen to what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4. And he gave the apostles, verse 11, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith. Dad spoke about unity last week. The unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. What kind of an example was Jesus Christ to us? First Peter chapter two, verse 21 tells us that we are to walk in his steps. Secondly, an elder is a servant. Jesus taught his disciples the reality of spiritual leadership by his words in Matthew chapter 20, verses 26 to 28. It shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave, even as the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I'm going to tell a little story on myself here just briefly. I remember one of the first churches my wife and I served in years ago we had she had just gotten out of the military and we had moved to the San Antonio, Texas area and I remember that uh we went in and I talked with the pastor and we found a church that we were going to serve in and I remember telling him this: "I'd like to serve now in my mind, because I'm sure none of you probably have ever done this or ever thought about this, but in my mind, I'm thinking. He's going to allow me to preach on a Sunday. You know, small areas of service. And so he says, uh, okay. He says, come with me. And he takes me outside. And they have a fleet of buses that they went and picked up people. Some of you who have ever taught Sunday school class, you will know where I'm going with this. Or taught in a school. And he points out this little tiny bus that probably wouldn't have held 25, 30 people, something like that. And he said, okay. He says, if you want to serve, he said, there's your mission field. You take that and you fill it up. I have to say that I was disappointed. I mean, who wants to drive around a bunch of rugrats from all over town? And I remember him seeing my face and he told me something that has stuck with me for the rest, oh well, so far all of my life, the rest of my life. He says, if you're not willing to serve in the little things, God will never use you in big things. The Greek word for servant that is used throughout Scripture is huperates. And this is important because it's one of the more unusual words for somebody who is a servant. In the Greek, it means one who is an under rower. Anybody here ever seen the movie Ben-Hur? Either version The older one is better. Think of Ben-Hur as he is sitting there on that boat and he is chained to an oar. He can't go anywhere and he is chained there and that is his entire role is to row the boat. That's it. Doesn't matter what time of the day. It doesn't matter what time of the night. He doesn't get to pick and choose. He simply rows when the master calls the command, start rowing. This is the word that Jesus Christ himself uses When he says that we are to be a servant, he is saying that we are to be an under rower. And the word originally meant one who was chained to the oars of a Roman war galley. In other words, you didn't get a choice in what you did. You did what the master called you to do. It was distinctly hard work. And the word eventually evolved in the early part of the first century to any person who performed any kind of hard labor, whereby... They sweated or perspired. Listen to what Paul tells the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. And he uses this Greek word again. This is how one should regard us, 1 Corinthians 4, verses 1 and 2. This is how one should regard us as servants, as huperites, as under rowers of Christ as stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of an under rower that they be found faithful. Not necessarily picking up the banner, not necessarily picking with the flag and charging up the hill, though that may be what God requires the servant to do. It may not be to go to the ends of the earth, to be able to seek and to be able to establish the good news of the glorious, good news of the Lord Jesus Christ around the world, but it may be what he calls you to do. Number three, an elder is also to exercise oversight. The Apostle Paul told the elders in Ephesus, Acts chapter 20, verse 28, pay careful attention to yourselves and... all the flock. There is no greater term that God uses or no greater illustration, I think, in the church than when he describes his bride as a flock. We heard the hymn, Psalm 23, The Lord's My Shepherd. What a beautiful picture of him who takes care of us every single day. As one little girl was standing in front of the congregation, and she said she wanted to quote all of Psalm 23, and all she could say was, the Lord's my shepherd, I don't have need of anything, and she sat down. Sometimes we need to be like that little girl. Sometimes we need to realize that all that we need is in Jesus Christ. But he says, to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God not just any church, the church of God. And not just the church of God, but the one that he has obtained with his own blood. How precious is his church to him? If from all eternity past he set his love upon the church and he is one day coming back for the church and he sanctifies and sets apart his church, how much more important should it be? Or shouldn't it be just as important for you and I? Shouldn't we love the church that much? Number four, an elder provides instruction. Paul writes to two young men, Timothy and Titus, both of whom he considered his, his son in the faith. Now, whether he actually led them to faith in the Lord, we do not know, but there is that implication that might be there that he did. Either way, he is taking these two men under his wing and he has sought to disciple them, to teach them. This is one of the things that we're doing. This is one of the reasons for doing the doctrinal class, for example, it's a lot of work, but I can already see a difference in those of you who are attending. I am greatly encouraged when people are willing to learn the importance of God's word. By the way, that's on a Sunday night at 6 p.m. But we're also getting ready to start a leadership class for anybody that wants to come. Once a month on a Saturday, we're going to have a couple of hours of instruction whereby we are going to seek to help you to become leaders in your home, leaders with your children, and leaders in the church. And yes, it is a lot of work. It's a lot of work not just for me, but others who are involved. It's going to be a lot of work for you. Because as we find in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 27, Paul says he beats his body and brings it under subjection. The word that is used there by Paul is the Greek word gymnos. We get the word gymnasium from it. It Requires sweat, hard work. Because the Christian road of life is not an easy one. It's a hard one. Paul told young Timothy, who was an elder, in 2 Timothy 3, verse 16 and 17, All scripture is breathed out by God. It is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Why? That the man of God may be complete, equipped to every good work. Everything that is done, everything that makes this place tick from week to week to week, is not just on one person. It's on everybody that chooses to get involved, whether you're mowing grass, whether you're, whether you're shoveling snow, whether you're folding bulletins. It doesn't matter what you're doing. We're going to have a dinner afterwards for those who are able to stay. It takes work. You had to get up. Some of you were cooking yesterday. Some of you were cooking this morning. Some of you may still be cooking downstairs. But it takes work. But, you know, afterwards there has to be cleanup. There has to be the cleanup of, of taking care of the building. Just doesn't, I don't walk in here every Monday and it just looks like this. It takes work. But elders must be able to preach the truth of Scripture. In that teaching, there is instruction for building up the faith of all ages. There's celebration of the witness of a new believer's Testimony, or maybe a believer who has been a believer for a long time but never been scripturally baptized. As a testimony to the world and as a testimony to the church, we gather together to be able to partake of the Lord's table to do this one more time and yet one less time before he returns. To me, being able to partake of the Lord's table is one of the most beautiful remembrances and celebrations that we can have in any given service to be able to remember what he did for me. It is personal. Elders must be able to provide biblical counsel and discipline while keeping in confidence these matters entrusted to them. They must be able to promote fellowship and hospitality among believers. They must be the standard bearers for their own lives before others to ensure the biblical practice of all levels of discipline and discipleship is needed to be a gospel-centered witness to the glory of Jesus Christ. I would remind our two brothers, Brother Jeff and my dad, John Paul, as one, we were listening this last week, or I was listening to this last week, to Men Who Rocked the World, another one of those episodes. And somebody questioned one of the Anglican bishops or archbishop or whoever it was, questioned one of the men, I believe it was George Whitfield, And he was only like 22 or 23 years old at the time. And he was told he said the archbishop is going to be here he said be careful what you say and he says if i am afraid of man i will never be afraid of god if i am afraid of god i will never be afraid of man Men, when you stand to provide counsel when you stand to deliver the word of god be not afraid of their faces Tell the truth, but tell it in love. Finally, the task of an elder. Elders together are responsible for the general administration of the church. More importantly, the spiritual well-being of the congregation. That's the most important thing. And because of this, the elder must always strive to be Christ-like. He must strive to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. He must strive to exhibit his office with humility, prayer, and long-suffering. But I would caution you that he is not perfect. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect, just in case you were wondering. None of us are perfect, and we won't be perfect until we stand before the Lord Jesus Christ And we are given a glorified body and we see him in all of his glory because eternity is all about him. And in the meantime, he calls us down here in this struggling world, in this time when we look around and we wonder why do these things happen? Why are there wars? Why are there struggles? Why is there sickness? Why is there death? Why is there pain? We realize that these things ultimately become Come, because there is sin in the world. But an elder is called to be faithful in each task that is assigned to them. I am going to call at this time Brother Jeff and my dad and Sister Melissa and my mom to come up and have a seat up here in the front. If our two brothers will take the middle seats and then your wife can sit beside you. You will see on your notes we are going to begin with the vows in which we are going to ask our two brothers a few questions. While the office of elder is a holy office, it does not elevate a man to something that is not ordained in Scripture, and that is a dictator. Elders are under rowers for the master of the ship. They are to, stir, to serve with distinction, but they are to serve in a way that is gracious as an example to the flock. Listen to the words of First Peter chapter 5. Verses 1-4 through So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you exercising oversight not under compulsion but willingly as God would have you. Not for shameful gain but eagerly Not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Today we commission these two men, these two brothers. And the word commission simply means to set apart. Some people may call it an ordination But it's really just a setting apart that we are saying that these two men are willing to serve in this capacity as an elder, as a spiritual leader, to be able to help guide you from day to day in your walk. This isn't just a Sunday job. This is times when maybe they don't want to get out of bed and we get a call in the middle of the night and we have to go and see somebody in the hospital. It may mean going and sitting down in a funeral home and having to take time off work for these men or certainly for Brother Jeff if he's got work and yet doing it as a show of support for somebody that we have loved who has gone on to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes it may mean counseling and sitting down with somebody and saying, out of love for the Lord Jesus Christ and out of love for his word, We are here to be able to help guide you, not because we think we are better than you, but because we are called to serve with you. As Galatians chapter 6 says, if anybody is overtaken in a fault, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. And so, and so bear one another's burdens. And in so doing, You will fulfill the law of Christ. That's what these men are being called to do. The terms of service in this congregation as biblical elders, and so to express your acceptance of this office, I'm going to ask both of them to stand. Brother Jeff, do you believe God is leading you to serve as elder here at Yellowstone Baptist Church? Do you believe the Old and New Testaments are the word of God, the only infallible rule of faith and life? And do you subscribe to the doctrinal statement and constitution of this church, rejecting any teaching that contradicts them? And do you promise to do the work of your office faithfully in a way worthy? of your calling and in submission to the government and discipline of this church. Dan, do you also believe that God is leading you to serve as an elder? Yes, I do. Do you believe the Old and New Testaments are the word of God, the only infallible rule of faith and life? I do. Do you subscribe to the doctrinal statement and constitution of this church, rejecting all teaching that contradicts them? And do you promise to do the work of your office faithfully, in a way worthy of your calling, and in submission to the government and discipline of the church? Yes, I do. You can be seated. There is nothing holy about this oil. It's simply a reminder as we look at the Old Testament of what the leaders of the Old Testament happened with them when they were anointed with oil, and it's simply a remembrance. The fragrance rests on the person. It is simply a reminder of the Holy Spirit that dwells within us. and He gives us that special fragrance that points to Jesus Christ. We will anoint these two men this morning as a token of their service and simply as a thank you from, I believe, from the Scriptures to those who are willing to serve and simply a reminder. Again, this doesn't make them any special. It doesn't make them any better than anybody here. It's just what God has called them to do at this time. the Jeff and Dad Father I pray first for my brother Jeff for his wife sister Melissa I'm thankful for the ministry and the work that they have already done here at Yellowstone. The other ministries and other churches in which they have been able to partake. And I'm thankful that you call us, sometimes despite ourselves, despite whatever has taken place in our life in the past. We know that you are a gracious God, a forgiving God, a loving God. And we are thankful that from eternity past that you have called my brother Brother Jeff, knowing one day that in 2023 that he would come to serve as an elder at Yellowstone. We cannot know your purposes or your ways, but we can rejoice in what you have done in our midst. We have come a long ways, and I believe there's still a long ways to go. And there will be until the day we stand before you. We pray for Sister Melissa, that you would help her to be gracious to Brother Jeff, to help him to be understanding at times, maybe when he has to be involved in church work, that is not easy. There are going to be times that she's not going to be aware of everything that has taken place. There may be, there may be councils that come more times than maybe we as elders and shepherds like, But help her to be understanding, to be gracious, to hold her husband up in prayer, to love him. Help him to be able to love Sister Melissa and to be the kind of example, not just to her, but to his family and to this church of how Jesus Christ loves us, his bride. So we thank you for our brother. and We set him apart before you to do this solemn, sobering, humbling work of being an elder, being a spiritual leader, and a servant, an under rower, for the sake and cause and testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we also pray for Dad, Jean Paul, for my mom, Sister Melody. I am grateful for their service down through the years for their testimony. For forty five years of ministry. not done perfectly, but done graciously. Together they stand. Together they have walked the road. Together they have known the heartaches, the trials, the pains, the sufferings, but the rejoicing. Even some of those who have come to faith under their ministry have gone before you. We look forward to seeing those who have walked before us or with you Lord encourage dad in his later years for the Jeff and I as well help us to be able to learn from him as he seeks to learn from us and to give accountability to the Word of God we're thankful Lord for mom. I pray, Lord, that you would help her also to continue to love Dad and to be an example of what a godly marriage should be. 56 years, almost 57 years of marriage. Help them to continue to be that example. Help her also, Lord, to be gracious even at times when it may not even feel like being gracious, but it's not just the elder who's being called, but their wife, their family to serve as well. So Lord, we thank you for their lives. We pray that you would be glorified in all of these things today. In Jesus' name. I charge you. I charge you elders, shepherds of the flock, to follow the command given by Paul to the young elder Titus in Titus 1:9, he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught, so that he may be able to give instruction and sound wisdom, and also to rebuke those who contradict it. Be an example of Christ to your family, to this congregation. Always strive to give biblical counsel with godly wisdom, even when it may not be popular. Paul said to Timothy, in 1 Timothy 4.12, Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. In our lives, men, we are to encourage, to exhort, and to edify every believer entrusted to our care by the Holy Spirit of God. We are to pray for our congregation. We are to minister with a godly, agape love that can only come from a life devoted to Christ. Men, I encourage you to be wise counselors who support and strengthen the pastor and your fellow elders. Be compassionate, yet firm. Be consistent in rebuke and discipline. Know the scriptures Remember that at all times, if you would truly give spiritual leadership in the household of faith, you and I must be completely mastered by the Lord. 1 Timothy 3, verses 2-7 through I charge you, Yellowstone Baptist Church, to receive these elders as Christ's gift to the church. Recognize in them the Lord's provision for healthy congregational life. Hold them in honor. Take their counsel seriously. Respond to them with obedience and respect. Accept their help with thanks. Wholeheartedly participate in the ministries that they lead. But most importantly, follow them only as they follow Christ. Sustain them in prayer and encourage them with your support, especially when they feel the burden of their office. Acknowledge them as the Lord's servants among you. Remember they are not to be put on a pedestal, but that you are to look to Christ alone for perfection. I'm going to read a charge to you as a congregation. Do you, as a congregation, seek to receive these two men as you have been charged? And if you do, I would like you to respond, we do, with God's help. Amen. Do you, congregation, receive them as charged? Amen. The wife of an elder is to be a great asset and she can either be a burden or she can help bear the burden of ministry and prayer and love and compassion, even though she will not know all the details or the full weight of what her husband may have to shoulder. Ladies, only the wife of an elder can understand the joys and heartaches of ministry, but with those come the privilege of knowing that your husband has the highest calling of any man in the world. As we said earlier, Charles Haddon Spurgeon noted, if God calls you to be a minister, don't stoop to becoming a king. Sister Melissa, Mom, lift your husband in prayer, for you know not the spiritual battles he faces. For he faces not an enemy of the flesh, but against principalities and powers of the ruler of the darkness of this world. To the YBC family, encourage these ladies, just as you have done with my wife. Now, since we came, some of you have been here the whole time that we've been here. And you have encouraged my wife and you've been gracious to us with your love and your gifts and your prayer. So to you as a family, I encourage you to encourage these ladies, especially by your love, by your constant, consistent, faithful prayer, that they will also be faithful in every way before Jesus Christ. Violet? We have a little gift for each of the wives. a small token of our appreciation is a thank you for standing by your husband. What is a shepherd's crook and what is it used for? One person noted this in a commentary, David's earliest job was to tend sheep as he learned the full scope of a shepherd's responsibility with the objective of keeping the flock safe and healthy. The job is fraught with isolation, danger, and around-the-clock care. Wolves, coyotes, bears, domestic dogs, and mountain lions are ever ready to suddenly kill an unsuspecting member of the flock. Who would know better about rods and staffs than a former real shepherd, Philip Keller? In his book, A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23, he says shepherds use a rod to protect the gentle and harmless flock from predators or to demand or reprimand unruly sheep that pick on others or eat the wrong plants or are oblivious to the dangers. The shepherd parts the sheep's wool using the rod to look for wounds, disease, and the overall condition of the skin. But a second essential shepherding tool is a staff that is long, slender, with a crook on the end. And when tired, a shepherd leans on the staff or uses it to return a lamb to its mother. He'll bring timid sheep closer to him, or he will guide the flock into new pasture, or maybe through a gate. The staff frees sheep from bushes or lifts them out of water when they stray. And get into trouble. Is Sterling out there. Thank you. A shepherd's crook is rough. There are no jewels. It's not covered in gold or silver. It's just wood. just like the cross of Jesus Christ was. It is to be a symbol of the humility that is to be shown by the shepherds to the flock. It is never an offensive weapon unless it is warding off enemies of the sheep. I would seek to destroy it. The crook has a gentle curve designed to retrieve erring sheep, and these are actual shepherd's crooks, by the way. The crook has a gentle curve designed to retrieve erring sheep, but it is also to remind us of the greatest term that the Bible uses to label an elder a shepherd in taking after the great shepherd of whom we read in Psalm 23. Brothers, may the gift of the shepherd's crook be a constant reminder of the work and the flock that is entrusted to our care as elders. May it remind you earthly rewards are not the treasure we seek. But to recall once again the words of the Apostle Peter, who is was tasked to feed my lambs, my Christ himself. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. May the special verses that guide your life help guide your steps as you shepherds God's flock. Jeff, you said your special verse was Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Thad, your verses are Philippians 1, 20 and 21. According to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, that, but that with all boldness as always so now also Christ, shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death, for to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. I'm going to ask you to remain here before our final prayer. If we could have a couple of our men come. We want to conclude our time just briefly, but we're going to have a special time